Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name's Panos, and today we're going to be talking about asking versus telling your dog to do something. And this this may seem like the exact same thing. However, there's massive, massive differences between the both. So I did a little tiny Google search to get a little bit of a definition of what a command is and what a request is. So a command basically is an authoritative order. There is some form of consequence if compliant and or non-compliant. Where with a request is that you're asking politely or formally for something to happen. And it is very much that you are asking the individual, whoever you're asking. So it's important that we're going to talk about specifically a command, like actually asking your dog to do a behavior. We're going to talk about What's the difference between that and then everyday living and communicating with your dog? And then also we'll talk about well, when giving a correction, when telling your dog not to do something, how, what does that look like? And what do I see often? And what am I helping people to change in the everyday communication with the dog? Because I think these are some of the fundamental perspectives that we need to change. So when it comes to issuing and creating commands, in the learning phase, when a dog is learning to do something from the f- for the first time, we are simply luring them and encouraging them and basically asking them to do it. I don't create a command at first by saying, you must sit. <laughs> Otherwise, if your dog doesn't know how to sit, how can your dog must sit? So in learning phases, there is no corrections. We don't give food for anything we don't want. We reward effort towards the end result for example sit when i'm like if the dog doesn't know it puppy or adult dog i'm using food and luring them into a position every time they go into position i mark and reward and i further encourage that over time we add a word sit before luring the dog then once the dog knows the word sit and does it reliably 10 times out of 10 we move into a training phase in the training phase when we start to incorporate and start to teach now you must do it. I want you to do this every time I tell you to do it. And remember, I tell you to do it. I don't ask you to do it. So if I'm walking with my dogs and I get to the road and I say sit and my dogs don't sit, I'll give uh uh-uh. Usually after that, they're like, hmm. and they sit. And why is that? It's because I follow through with some form of leash pressure, even body language sometimes if I'm not using the leash or if I haven't got them on a leash, but I do follow it through. I'm not asking you to sit. Oh, don't worry about it. And then he doesn't sit. That sucks. So, of course, if you have a young dog, a puppy, or a dog that doesn't know how to sit at the curb and you're still teaching him, you come to the curb with some food, sit, and then encourage him and lure him into position. But the end result, when your dog is in a proof stage of that command, you say sit and the dog sits. So, let's think of the word command. If you look at the Bible, it says there are are 10 commandments and it implies that you must or must not do something. Otherwise, there are consequences that follow it. And it's very direct. It's you must do that. Where a request would say would be more of a suggestion. Hey, it's best if you try not to do X, Y, or Z. And hey, if it doesn't happen, we'll try again later. There are there's merit for both, and we need to know when and when when and where we should use both. So 
follow through with what it is that you want. So this then this all does come down to training style and methodology. Now, people that train dogs and claim that they don't use any form of correction or compulsion or aversion for the dog when they don't comply. So if they're not following through and giving a correction and making the dog do it, they are simply not giving commands. They are simply asking a dog. So if I'm a trainer who doesn't use tools to make a dog do something and I just continue to ask them until they do it, you should be advertising, that person should be advertising that you're issuing requests to dogs. We teach requests. We don't teach commands. If you're teaching command, you must make it happen. And that's my opinion. So I think it's important that you know how to follow through. Now, of course, we're not going to go into the depths of how to follow through with with every single um, command or with every single behavior. But for example, with the sit, if I have my dog on a slip lead, for example, and or a martingale collar, and I say sit, and the dog well and truly knows that he's done it over and over again in this exact same situation, same environment, same stimulus present, he just chooses not to do it because he can't be bothered. And he doesn't feel like the food that you have that's when we apply some pressure onto the onto his collar. We apply some pressure upwards, just like a two out of 10, something that's uncomfortable that he wants to turn off. As soon as his butt touches the ground, I turn it off. That would be using pressure to follow through with what it is that we got. So we've basically corrected him because we've made him correct into position that we want. If you say sit to your dog, your dog doesn't sit and you give a little tap on the leash and that leash correction serves to be something aversive, your dog chooses not that doesn't really like to feel it and chooses not to feel it again he will sit then he then was corrected for not doing a different form of correction it's more punishment however it doesn't have to be a big crazy yank on the lead just a tap tap and then the dog sits but that's because we follow it through and then over time the point is we say sit the dog sits now with my dog if i say sit and he doesn't sit and i go ah He'll sit because he knows the art will be followed through with some form of pressure if i have the dogs off the leash Let's just say I'm walking through a doorway and I don't want the dog running through. I say sit and I haven't got a leash on him, but he knows to sit, but he's trying to run through the door. I'll use spatial pressure. I'll stand into his space, take a step or two. He will look at me. He normally will then um, drop his butt to the ground and then I can walk away from him. So there's different ways of following through, but you must make sure that if your dog knows it, you follow through. People can go wrong where the dog doesn't know the command down or calm, for example, something a little bit more complex than the sit. The dog doesn't know to do it and then you get mad at him. You're just making a very confused dog. So you have to make sure that you're in a position that you understand where your dog is because uh, in terms of in relation to that behavior, he can down in the backyard, the front yard, but maybe not at the park. So you can't expect the same level of competency out there than inside. So we have that all comes down to routines of training and schedule of reinforcement for each individual command and of course we've talked about that in previous episodes to look back at that but make sure that you know where where your dog's at i think that's important so at first this is what it seems like it looks like at first we we ask our dogs to do things so we're basically giving them the requests we're luring them and encouraging them then over time as we go from the learning phase to the to the training phase now we have a command sit down if you don't do it i'll make you do it Again, doesn't have to be over the top. I just want you to be assertive enough for your dog to know, oh, yeah, okay, I have to do it. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry I didn't listen because in his thought, he goes, mm, but I really want to go sniff that tree and I don't really care for the food that you may potentially give me because another thing in that training phase, we reward randomly. So it encourages, it motivates the dog to try harder or depends on how much he wants that food. But he'll always want to 
avoid that pressure on that collar. So that's how we can make that happen through the command. Then over time, it looks like with my dogs, when I'm at a session, I go down and he lays down. It looks like I've asked him, but he knows that he has no choice. But there, I don't have to down. I don't have to always be in that mind, uh, in that, uh, using that volume and tone. It can look like I've asked him because it's way of me communicating, but I've done lots and lots and lots and lots of reps of making that happen. So now he's like, down, good boy. And then he'll stay there for 15 minutes while I'm, we're doing a technique. Okay. And he gets up. So I think that's where we try to emulate what it looks like from the person who has the trained dog or with the dog that you have trained already. And now you're trying, trying to make it happen with the new dog. And you say, go on down. And the dog doesn't know that he has to do it. And now you're asking him. And then if he doesn't do it, then you're watering down the command, which means the more you ask him to do things, he's not going to do it. And it just becomes muddy and your dog just doesn't really even care about what you say anymore. So I think that's important. So with the command, you have to be in a position to follow through. That's why I talk about formal commands and informal commands because the formal command is for, for Chile, for example, is Ella, which is Greek for come. So you come to me, you sit at my feet, you wait there until I release you. That's what that formal recall means. And the other day when Chile was somewhere he wasn't supposed to, it was a relatively, I wouldn't say dangerous situation, but it was compromising. I just gave the command, Ella, ran at me, sat at my feet. Good boy, put him on the leash and we... Um, then we went on our merry way. So I could use my formal commands for something very specific. But there's loads of times where I'm walking like, here, buddy, and he comes close to me. That here, buddy, is more of a request than it is a command. I've kind of asked him to do it. And if he does it, he does it. If he doesn't do it, I may just ask him again, come on, buddy, let's go. And if I need him to do it, I'll ask him to do it. So I don't want to be always giving commands. I want those informal commands to become language and everyday communication with my dog. I hope that makes sense. So if you're asking your dog to do something, giving a request, and if not compliant, you either further encourage him or you just ignore it. It's He's looking at something over there. Come on, buddy, leave that alone. Ah, whatever. We obviously have those moments where we where we do say that. And I think that's where then, of course, our tone and inflection will change the way we say, ah, leave that alone, leave it. And then if he was, let's just say, chewing the hose, ah, leave it, ah, I get up and then now I'm going to follow through using my voice and then also using my body language to, to, to shoo him away, to use my spatial pressure, get into his space and then actually follow it through. Yesterday was a perfect example. Little puppy, only 30 weeks old, so the puppy's not supposed to know that he's not supposed to be doing this, but it's up to us as the owners to be following this through. So this is not about giving commands. This is more now about being authoritative and, give, and giving a correction, not really a correction, but punishing a behavior when it first happens. There's certain behaviors that we never want to see. Um, a dog countersurfs, he'll get corrected, um, he'll get punished immediately for it. Where um, I don't want him to... I don't want to lure him away. Come on, let's not get up on there. Maybe if it's a little puppy up on the on the coffee table, yeah, we've got a leash on him. We can manage it. Ah, oh, buddy, let's redirect you over here. But there'll be soon enough time, like when your puppy becomes an older puppy, still not an adult, but a puppy, and he's doing things. Ah, get off it. Don't touch that. I don't want you to come into my house and ever jump onto the coffee table, ever counter surf, ever jump on the kids. So jumping, unnecessary and, and hard biting, and jumping up on things are generally things that I would always get, provide some sort of aversive event, un unless I'm managing my dogs, obviously. If I manage my dog on a leash, then he can't do a lot of those things. But of course, we're having a bit of freedom with our, with our young dogs. 
we want to be in a position where we have to say, no, you are not allowed to do that. So puppy was outside yesterday, 30 weeks old, little border collie. We're talking, she was doing a little bit of barking, nothing crazy. But then she went up, jumped up onto the chair, jumped onto the table and then was on the windowsill and chewing the plant and like and messing with the fly screen. And it was going on for about 30 seconds before I said, oh, you, you may want to stop that now. Otherwise, if she continues to do that, it becomes a behavior that she may start to do more of. And then she gets through that fly screen. It's not very strong. And then she's banging the window on the table. Like it's just something that you don't want to see ever. And she never really has done it. So the mo- I told my client straight away, tell her no. She went up there, come on, no, 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 come on, get down, get down. And the puppy just continued to bite harder and harder on the fly screen. And I said, no, you have to be more assertive. You have to create something out of it. Even if it's a young puppy, it's something like that is dangerous because if she slips off the windowsill, it's a meter and a half in the air, um, break a leg, things like that. So, And also she, that window is right next to the dining table. She was smelling the wafting pasta that was on the table there or whatever. So there's too much encouragement for her to do it. And it's something that we never, ever want to see anyway. It's not like she was messing around at the door. We That we could ignore, but sitting on the windowsill is a no-no. So I went up to the window, ah, oh, and I gave the the um the windowsill a bit of a bang, and she was like, oh, and she hopped off and she went down. Immediately next, she went back up, went over, ah, off, and then she thought, ah, what are you gonna do? Bang on the window frame a little bit. I don't care. So I went outside, I grabbed her by the collar, and I just pulled her down. Nothing, nothing over the top, but I gave the ah, grabbed her, pulled her down. Three times in a row, I did that. Ah, ah, opened the door, went, followed her down. The fourth time she went to go up, ah, ah, from inside, she came back down. But because I was issuing command in that moment, not just a, not a formal command, but, it, but I was being authoritative, I was following it through, that's going to last a lot longer. I'm not going to really, I'm going to extinguish that behavior. Of course, we also moved the chair so she can't get back up on there again. So management's important. But again, the chair is going to be left out and I want to show my client, follow it through now so we don't have an 18-month-old dog doing God knows what jumping fences and she's an athletic type of dog and you can see she's a little bit needy so we don't want her to get too creative with this when she's outside i wanted to be chilled out and there was other dogs out there as well so it wasn't that she was fully on her own but it's all about following that through i think that's so so important so um so think about that think about are you asking your dog to do something or are you telling your dog to do something if you're telling him to do something have you taught them what it is specifically you want is it something that is not really a command like get off something or or don't jump on my on my daughter or don't jump on the coffee table those are you're giving pun you're punishing your dog for that baby follow it through make and your correction doesn't have to be a poke to the ribs or pulling off the collar you can get your puppy or your young dog and evacuate him from the house now you have to spend 45 minutes outside on your own because you couldn't follow the rules that's just as much following through than giving that little poke and be like hey knock it off stop doing that there's many different ways. A leash correction. Your dog's on a leash. He jumps up on the table. Ah, little pop. And then we can l- tell him to go to his bed. Does he know the bed? Do we, have to, do we have to teach the bed command before we tell him? So there are a couple of variables here. Maybe I have jumped all over the place, but there is that common, that common, common ground of if you're going to be authoritative, be authoritative. Don't try to be authoritative, but then let it go because your dog's observing that, your kids are observing that, your friends, your family, people are observing that, your your employer, your employees. People are seeing that you say one thing and do another thing. You, you People stop taking you seriously. You don't take yourself seriously, but also more importantly for our conversation today, your dog doesn't even understand what you want anyway, so he's just going to keep on trying and then you get more frustrated and then you act over the top. 
or you call someone like me and we can tell you the same thing. So um, I hope you found benefit in today's episode. I've been wanting to talk about this for a little bit. So um, any questions, hit me up. You know where to do that through our Instagram, Life With Your Dog podcast is a good place. And until next time, keep on training your dog, be assertive, be clear and have fun with it. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at np underscore dog underscore training, my website npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, C-A-N-I-N-E, .com.au. I'm also on Instagram at kizuna canine training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.